Welcome to Crime Crazy, the weekly true crime podcast with Aaron Plyme and Diana Seacon, where we prove that we know nothing about our legal system, but we're still crazy for a good true crime story. Yay. Yay. Happy 99th <laughs> episode, Diana. Happy 99th episode and happy Canada Day Eve. Uh, thank you. Uh, happy Canada Day Eve to you too. Thank you. <laughs> is it okay if I'm more excited about our 99th episode? I, I am also more excited about my 99th episode. Okay, our 99th good. episode. Because it's not mine. I don't know what episode it is for me. Oh, I don't know. But it is crime crazies. And I feel like that's a huge thing. It is such a huge thing. I once heard, and I don't know if this is true at all, but that most podcasts don't make it to seven episodes. I mean, that makes sense. If yeah. That was definitely sort of where it was hard and not terribly rewarding and the sound sucked and it was more work than I thought. <laughs> and I would have given up there. Well, and I wonder too, if people pick such specific premises yeah. that like they think they're going to have more material than they really do. Probably. And then there's probably also an aspect of like, you thought you would have time to do it and then right. you don't get into some sort of rhythm. And so it doesn't work out or like your podcast co-host isn't available or whatever. Yep. Yep. So yay us. We did so, a lot more than that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so what that means to you, dear listener is yes. that we are taking a break next week because we are traveling to the True Crime Podcast Festival in Chicago, where you should definitely come see us if you can. I think there yes. are still tickets available. I think there are. Mm-hmm. At least their website does not say that there aren't. So, you know. That's the best I can do. <laughs> um, so you should definitely come see us there if you at all can. Um, and then when we get home. We will have episode one. Hundred and it's going to be amazing. amazing. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell them what it was for a second there, and I was really disappointed no, in you. No, 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 no. Okay. But I did tell. Uh, so I was at a family wedding this weekend, and I did tell some of the relatives that are listeners who also got some of our new stickers, uh, which if you come see us at the Chicago Podcast Festival, you will absolutely get some. I bought a special bag just for stickers for us. Oh my God, I have a special bag for stickers too. (laughs) Also, are we matching? I feel like we're wearing matching outfits. Um, Right now? Yeah. We're very similar, but not as similar as we're going to be at the True Crime Podcast Festival. Oh, I have sad news about that. Uh Uh-oh. I tried on my pink pants. They are way too big. Oh, okay. Well, I we need have... a new pants plan because we can't go pantsless, Diana. Not an option. <sighs> Fuck. Sorry. <laughs> I might go out and just buy another pair of bright pants because I really loved that idea, but I finally tried them on and they are, it looks like I'm a little girl wearing my mommy's pants. I don't know what to Aww. do with them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's kind of cute. It All is, right. but it's going to be very uncomfortable to wander around for a day. <laughs> oh, true. Well, you will still know us by our Crime Crazy t-shirts. It's true. And because we look like our, our cartoon. We look an awful lot like our cartoons. Also, Plus, we'll be the ones obnoxiously handing out stickers to every human being we cross paths with. Look at you. Take a sticker. Right. <laughs> you want swag? Here's swag. We got swag. We got all the swag. All right. Before we the, get into the next thing. Oh, I the? was going 
get into the next thing. Okay, go ahead. The other thing that's going to happen this week. Yes. Go ahead and tell them. We are going to hit 100,000 downloads. 100,000 downloads! 100,000 downloads. Somebody has downloaded our podcast 100,000 times. Hopefully more than one somebody. Hopefully more than one somebody. But also, (laughs) like, that's an insanely large number. It is. It's huge. Right? Yeah. Ah, super exciting and amazingly timed to to correspond with our special episode, all our new stickers, our hundredth episode, our first podcast festival. Oh yay. It's like we're a grown up podcast. Ah, I'm so excited. I don't have to be a grown up person for this, right? No, 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 no. Of course not. Okay. Oh right good. Good, good, good. Whew. Yeah. But Diana, it's not just us making this podcast possible. Tell us some other things. Ooh, So Crime Crazy is sponsored by Seb Bryce. Thank you. Courtney Ellis. Woohoo. Dave Hatt. Thank you. Who sent me a ridiculously disgusting gift this week. God damn it, Dave. What? Wait, what does that mean? It was so gross. I can't even talk about it. Oh, man. <laughs> I'll show you. be like special Patreon footage or something. Oh, I can't do that to our <laughs> listeners. It was horrifying. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so excited. And if I'm grossed out. Uh-oh. It's teeth. It's not teeth. Oh, okay. But it's almost as bad. It's feet. It's not feet. Well, you know what? That's like the two grossest things, so. I don't know. This is pretty horrible. <laughs> anyway... Show sponsors, regardless of whether they send me horrifying memes, support Crime Crazy at the $10 per month level or above. Thank you. Thank you so much. And a special thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Uh, So since we're messing with our recording schedule the next couple of weeks, we are recording on the last day of June, and we will not be recording for the first time in July for about a week and a half. So I would like to invite all of you to take this time to get yourself on the list for next month. Yes. You can get a shout out just by supporting us on uh, Patreon or yes. buying us a cup of coffee on our website. So go to um, crimecrazy.com and click buy me a coffee. Yes. Or you can buy 10 cups of coffee. We had somebody buy us 10 cups of coffee all at once. It's a lot of caffeine and we love it. We love it so much. Thank you. Uh, also, I have donuts downstairs in the fridge again. I've got a problem. You do you do have a problem. I think at this point, it's fair to say that we should be slightly concerned. But also, you have a bunch of enablers who sent you like $100 so many donuts. donuts money. <laughs> so. <laughs> so maybe the real plan is that I will eat my way into those pants. <laughs> maybe you should hang on to them just in case of donuts. Probably not a bad idea. I think it's a terrible idea. But you know what? You do. You. <laughs> well, I mean, you always want to keep one pair of pants around for... It's true. Problematic days. days. Yeah. Yeah. So, Erin, I have sad news. What? We haven't had a review in like a month. How is that possible? I don't know. What What is going on, guys? I know you're listening. We're about to hit 100,000 downloads. I know. <laughs> so go tell everybody else why, why they should listen, too. That's right. I have been assured by several family members at a family event this weekend that we're really good at what we do. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. I don't know if it's like 70% because they love me. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's 95% because we're we're rock stars. Aw, thanks, family. (laughs) 
All right. You can also follow Crime Crazy on all the social medias at Crime Crazy Pod or check out our awesome sauce website at crimecrazy.com. And don't forget, you can email us if you would like stickers. We now have two additional awesome little stickers. That's true. Uh, you can email us at diana at crimecrazy.com or Aaron at crimecrazy.com. And Aaron is spelled with a Y in the middle. It's true. And Diana's it, spelled like Diana. Like Princess Diana. Yeah. That's right. And uh, I will go to the post office for you guys. Wow. That's, I won't. I wow. actually bought a bunch of stamps. So, you know. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, the other day, I literally had one of our off. I'm going to like get fired for saying this. But I had one of our um, workplace services office manager types walk me to the mailbox because I didn't know where it was. By the way, it's like directly outside of our front door, so I didn't need an escort <laughs> after all. But just to mail things before the mail came. Oh. And those things were stickers. Yay. We have a lot. Erin keeps getting drunk and buying stickers. Uh, this time I was totally sober. Thank you very much. Sure. I just have a sticker problem like you have a donut problem. I also have That's kind cool. of a sticker problem. It's pretty fun. Stickers I, are kind of awesome. I do love stickers. Right? So, Diana, did you learn anything this week? I learned something pretty great. Ooh, I'm excited. Uh, so, because I know you're going to ask when I tell you what this is, I'm going to tell you that Liam and I have been listening to Sawbones together, um, okay. which is a medical history podcast, and he, like his mother, is into weird medical shit, which makes my cold black heart very happy i that's amazing and <sighs> thank god because otherwise what would you guys talk about well i know well i told you a few months ago i don't remember why he was upset but he was upset about something i think he'd like injured himself and i said well you know at least you don't have i think it was ebola was my <laughs> was my example and he didn't know what that was so i told him all about ebola and, he, and he's like what else like, you, don't, <laughs> you don't have the plague. And then we talked about the plague. And the, <laughs> uh, so we've been listening to Sawbones and we started at the beginning. And today we listened to the episode about hysteria, Ooh. which they warned that if you hadn't had the birds and the bees talk with your kid, that you should probably stop and like do that. And Liam and I have talked a lot about that, but I did pause it to tell him that this was going to be the story about how women have been marginalized in medicine for literally thousands of years. Nice. <sighs> but so on top of, uh, you know, hearing more about that horseshit, the really great thing I learned was that the electric vibrator, which was, of course, invented to cure hysteria mm -hmm. by giving women hysterical paroxysms. Also known as an orgasm. Right on. So Hamilton Beach in 1902 patented the first electric vibrator making the vibrator the fifth domestic appliance to be electrified. Oh, my God. So it was well, the sewing machine. Uh-huh. The fan. Uh, okay. Which I can imagine was so great. Yeah. A tea kettle, toaster, vibrator. And that was done about a decade before the vacuum cleaner and the iron. Holy shit. <laughs> like I get I get some of those things. Like the fan, hundred percent necessary. Oh my god. Came yeah. way too late. I just love that vibrators on that list. Yeah. It was very popular. Um, I mean 
Right. So you could buy vibrators. They'd be in the Sears robot catalog. Um, but in the 20s, once like moving pictures and stuff started coming around, the vibrator was used so much in pornography that it mostly got pulled from the market because of the associations that it wasn't a medical <sighs> device. That's um, And it wasn't until the 50s or 60s that it, it came back to being, you know, some girls just like to have orgasms. Right? How could they? That's so selfish and unnecessary. Right? Unless they have hysteria. Right. But then only by medical professionals. Certainly not by... Themselves. Or, you know, a dude. Or a dude. (laughs) Well, I mean, unless that dude has a medical degree. Also, I just... mm, I would feel so awkward being that medical provider... (laughs) Actually, I'd yeah. be so I'd feel so awkward receiving care from that. Like, uh, just yeah. But do you think we think that way because we are used to having orgasms in the context of willing, consensual, sex. enthusiastic sex? Probably. You know, if I'd never had one, yeah, maybe I guess you I'd know. think it was the best, or maybe I'd think it really was medicinal. I mean, I'm not entirely sure it's not medicinal. I, there are certainly times well, I feel better afterwards. Well, and they've shown that, um, paradoxically, sex can happen, or not happen, it can happen. It can help with menstrual cramps. Yeah. And other kinds of pain. And yeah, there are lots of health benefits to regularly having orgasms. Right. But it seems like it wasn't much of a priority. Well, I mean, surprise, surprise. And still doesn't seem like much of a priority. Mm. Uh, we just got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you have that as like a planned pun. <laughs> it was not, but I, I will take it. You should take it. <laughs> Interesting. I can't. That's so funny that that they were one of the first to be electrified. Like yeah. I knew about the hysteria and I knew about vibrators. I knew about like that treatment and all of that, but that's kind of amazing. Well, according to Sawbones at around that time, they were saying up to 20% of women had hysteria. So, you know, this was a big problem that needed fixing. Well, you know, there were other options, but you do what you got to do. Exactly. <laughs> So that's what I learned. Very cool. That has nothing to do with my story. Nothing at all. Well, it'd be weird if it did, because I don't know what your story's about. That's kind of the premise of this thing. Well, true. And also it would, well, I don't know. I guess it could have been somehow related in a way that wouldn't be too horrible. Um, But it isn't. All right. So, Erin. Yes. Are you going to tell me a story? I am. I am going to tell you a story, if I can get it pulled up. There we go. What? About a man named Brady? No. Did you see that HGTV bought the Brady house? No. Yeah, (laughs) it was on the market, and I guess they bought it. Oh, that's pretty cool. You do something fun there. All right, so um, I'm going to tell you a story. Uh about a murderer because that's usually what I do (laughs) but my last story two weeks ago had a serial killer who had really great hair right such great hair totally rotten out mouth but really great hair so on that theme 
I present today's story, which is about a murderer and hair. Yes. And also, unfortunately, cutting off women's breasts. The hell with you and the boobs. You know, I, I researched this story specifically for the murder and the hair. And I got three quarters of the way through like the first half of the story. And they're like, and cut off her boobs. And I'm like, what the fuck? Motherfucker. I guess that's a connection too. third week in a row. <laughs> Actually, it's been it's been even more than that for me. Well, because yeah, we've had like three cut off. One of them was eaten. Some of them were like cut into. Well, and we've only been going every other week. So like this is like a month and a half thing. So many boobs. But we're going to focus on the hair. Okay. Okay. Before we get started, I want to make it very clear. The killer does not have good hair. Okay. His name is Danilo Restivo, and he has shit hair. It's thinning. And he compensates for that by leaving it all bushy on the sides and the top and then not bothering to shave the stubble off his face. Ugh. Yeah, not good hair. But he has a thing for hair, so it counts. Well, I can see why. He's compensating. Right? Oh, 100%. So, um, I don't know that I'm saying his name right, but we're going to go with it. Danilo Restivo was born April t- uh, 1972 in Sicily. And in 1993, he was still living with mom and dad at the age of 21. Mm-hmm. And while that fact doesn't necessarily guarantee it, uh, like most men living with their parents, Restivo didn't really have any luck with the ladies. Huh. So he came up with a ploy. Was he it would to get his own apartment and a good job? And better hair? No. Well, if you, if you have a good job, you can afford a higher level of salon. And it seems like he True. maybe had some hair that had some some special needs. Yeah, yeah. No, that was not his ploy. Mm. His ploy was to trick women into dating him. So he I feel would, like the nineties was full of that. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> he would tell the women that he had a present for them and they could come meet him and get the present. And then I guess the intention was to turn it into a date once they were already there and too polite to leave. Were these women he knew or just like random women that'd be like, Hey, I have a present for you. I, it is unclear. Yeah. I mean, Uh, either way is creepy as fuck, but right. They were women at least that he had their phone numbers. So they weren't just people on the streets. Okay. Um, because if they rejected him, he would call them or like on that conversation, if it was over the phone, he would like verbally abuse them. And then he would play the soundtrack from Profundo Rosso, which is a movie about a serial killer. I appreciate his style. I mean, <laughs> I got to that part. And I was like, damn, I want to hate him, but that's kind of hilarious. That's that's pretty I mean, clever. it's creepy as fuck, but oh, it's kind of hilarious. It's <laughs> horrifying, but, you know, you pick a theme, you stick with the theme. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he even had music. I mean, I think when you have your own soundtrack, that's when it's like, well, but the effort was there. So wait, the important question here is, do you think that music is, um, what's the word I'm looking for, that we could use it without copyright? Ooh, I don't know. We do, we have been talking about a new song. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Depends on uh, maybe when that movie was created. 
I don't know. Well, or if the song was repurposed from something else. Right. We'll Might look have to look into that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Carry on. So one day he met Eliza Claps, and she was 16. She, the only thing I really know about her, other than she seemed pretty nice, was that she was the, the daughter of a tobacconist, mm. which is somebody who sells tobacco. Hmm. But it's just a word I'd never really come across in my 30-some-odd years. <laughs> um, and she didn't really trust Restivo, but she felt really sorry for him. And so she came up with a plan that made her feel safe and, like you know, gave him a little something. And she agreed that she would meet him at the church of the most holy Trinity. So they could have like, I don't know if it counts as a date, but like a little date, but it had to be at the church where there were people and everything was safe and blah, blah, blah. As opposed to the church of the like relative divinity. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What a weird name. This is the most holy. Okay. It's not just the okay trinity or the pretty good trinity. It's like the most holy trinity. But what if I go in there and I'm just like, I'm not feeling the trinity, man. Then they might have to rename the whole building. Challenge accepted. Um, Also, I feel like by the end of this story, we're going to be questioning the name. So, on Sunday, September 12th, 1993, Elisa and her friend arrived at the church around 1130, because that's when Mass ended. She didn't want to actually go to church, she just wanted to go to the church. And that was the last time that anyone saw her. So, Elisa went into the church, she told her friend she'd be back in about half an hour, and they could walk home together, and then she never came back out of the church. Ooh. So when she didn't return home that evening, her older brother started making phone calls. And first he called Restivo's house because he knew they were supposed to have had a date at the church. Mm -hmm. But the person who answered the phone said that Restivo was out of town. They didn't know anything about Eliza or where she might be. Mm -hmm. So then he went to the church and he looked around like the sanctuary, but everything else was locked up. And the priest who had been there earlier that day had like locked everything behind him and taken the only key with him. And so the brother wasn't able to search any of the rooms or, you know, any of the non like public areas. So mm-hmm. no luck there. So then he went to the police and they weren't all that concerned at first because it had really only been a couple of hours that she was missing. Like he expected her home around two and maybe now it was seven and that's just not that big a deal. I mean, she's a 16 year old girl and... They're right. not super reliable. And there's no evidence whatsoever of foul play. But because the brother was so upset, and this was out of character for her, they did do some follow-up to make the family feel better. Mm-hmm. Especially because the person she was supposed to have had a date with was Restivo, and they knew him. So they went to his house and they talked to him and he said that they had met at church just like the plan was. And then after a while, uh, they talked and then Eliza had left and gone on her way and he had stayed behind to pray. And then he decided to go on a day trip to Napoli and the police uh, asked for his clothes and to search his house. And he was like, "Mm, you don't have any evidence or reason to do that. So I'm going to go ahead and say no. And of course, they couldn't get a warrant because they didn't have any evidence. Mm -hmm. Um, The only thing suspicious at all was a cut on Restivo's hand that he said was just an accident. And then this kind of general feeling they had that all of his answers were very specific and precise and careful. And he seemed very cunning and they just didn't quite trust him. Mm -hmm. 
So then they tried to search the church to see maybe, you know, was she somewhere in the church or had something happened to her in one of the other rooms? But the priest said, you know, you really have no probable cause and I don't want to let you go throughout the church and make a big scene. And so, no. And they didn't have probable cause. And so they didn't get to search the church. This is a group of people that really know their rights. Right? <laughs> like, I'm sorry, you don't have a warrant. You can't get one. Can't come in. Right, right. The church one, I feel a little better about. Like, Restivo, I mean, I understand why he did it, because, like, I'll tell you in just a minute, they already suspected him for a bunch of other stuff, and Mm -hmm. so I get that, like, no, leave me alone. The church, though, um, I mean, it kind of makes sense. If the police are crawling all over your church, that's bad business. Well, and it's... It's not only bad business, but depending on the relationship between the church and that particular police department, it can be just plain old harassment from the government. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and it's, I mean, if nothing else, like invading of a very personal kind of space. Right. And nothing ever goes bad in churches. Ever. No. no. So why it's above suspicion. It's not a Catholic church, is it? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> We're in Italy, I mean, it's, right? It's in Italy. I'm going to go ahead and guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the police didn't let it go entirely, even with all of these setbacks. Um, they already knew Restivo. In fact, he was a suspect in a string of very strange assaults. Actually, they're just creepy and gross, but I think the fact that they're considered assaults is kind of strange. Anyway, Mm -hmm. they believed he was the one who had been going around and very sneakily cutting the hair of young women, like teenage girls, and then stealing it, I guess. Nine, Nine girls had had their hair cut without their knowledge by a stranger. Well, and that's nine who reported it. Right. Which means that it's easily 50 to 100. Probably, yeah. So they also suspected that he had something to do with another incident. These two children had been tied up and one of them, and they, they described it as like really young children, mm-hmm. had been tied up and one of them had been cut with a knife. Otherwise, they were unharmed, but they suspected Restivo was also involved in that. Just that is, it was weird? I don't know. I don't know if one of them maybe identified him, but they were really little. or, But those were all the things that police were looking into him for. It may just be that he was a creepy guy. They were pretty sure he was up to something. And so if something went wrong, it was probably him. Well, and if he had that distinctive of a hair. Yeah, I mean, then... he just sort of looks like a balding guy that doesn't take care right. of himself. Yeah, but they might... Might have identified him from that. Sure, sure. So, um, there wasn't any evidence of any kind, and his story made sense. Um, his alibi made sense. They didn't. They weren't able to like really find anyone to corroborate it, but it, it wasn't unreasonable that this is exactly what happened. And there was no physical evidence, so they had to move on. And that's when I learned that apparently Italians really love mysteries and conspiracy theories because the public's imagination at this point just took over. And everything in the press was like craziness. So there were several facts that turned up in the case. And in the public's mind, these were like really important, all caps. (laughs) So first uh, was one of Eliza's acquaintances said 
Well, she's been kidnapped by criminals. No evidence or any other just that was it full full story wow. and they were like yes she has we should look into this then uh, because just, obviously you take the word of a teenage girl again <laughs> right just randomly <laughs> right right then they discovered that a page from her diary was missing and they did some sort of test which i'm pretty sure was the like you rub a pencil over the page underneath it to see if you can get any of the writing Mm -hmm. um and it looked like the writing on the page was in albanian and she didn't actually have any ties to albania but everyone believed they should look further into this yes so it's gone from (laughs) girl goes on date with creepy guy who probably did something to her to there are Albanian criminals who have like stolen the page of evidence from her diary and kidnapped her and bought like it's this whole thing oh my god but why would they be writing in her diary to take with like I maybe she was writing about them in Albanian a language she definitely did not speak I don't have any idea if she did (laughs) I feel like somebody would have mentioned oh yeah she right. speaks albanian but keep keep that little fact in your mind for later okay? okay 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 so meanwhile in the real world uh the investigation moved from the locality where that was closest to where she lived uh potenza to a larger city of salerno even though it was 75 miles away. And I couldn't figure out exactly why they moved it other than um, like the brother was really upset. He said it had to do with like important people and kind of politics and that kind of Mm. thing that it was, it was basically there wasn't a good reason, but it definitely hindered the investigation because then it wasn't local anymore and not as much was being done. Plus 75 miles away is significant. It is like, it is a concerted effort to do that. Right. You're not just going to stop out to interview someone. It's going to be a whole thing. So at this point, they also made some assumptions that turned out to be wrong. And it really got in the way of the investigation. So first, the police were given some information about this friend that had gone with Eliza to the church. Because remember, she said, Eliza said, I'm going to go in. I'll be half an hour and then we can walk home together. Mm -hmm. And she told the police that she'd never come back out. And... You know, I don't know. I don't know what she said after that. If it was like, and then I just, you know, went home without her because I figured she was having a good time or whatever. But her evidence was that they had never, she'd never seen her again. Mm-hmm. But some witness told the police that later in the day they had seen Eliza and the friend together. So therefore, the friend must be lying about the entire incident. So she became an, a suspect. Or it could be that the witness misremembered the time, right? Or saw two different girls or whatever right. else. Yeah. So. The police assumed that since someone had seen Eliza outside of the church, that they should be looking for a potential crime scene elsewhere, and they never did a thorough search of the church. It's like the fucking hot dog squad. Yeah. So, in 1996, surprise, there was a trial, and it is weird. Okay. How is there a trial? Okay. So, three people were put on trial in 1996. Restivo, the friend, and an Albanian man. Oh my God, that poor Albanian man. <laughs> I know. So, Restivo was tried not 
uh, in connection with the disappearance, but for giving false information to the police because he said he had met her for just a few minutes in this like curtained area and then she left and they said, so I, okay, so this trial is very, very strange and I read all about it and didn't make a ton of sense. And so I'm hoping somebody who has read an article I didn't get to can set it straight mm-hmm. because essentially they said, well, you're lying and they convicted him of lying uh, about her about meeting her and then her leaving okay which doesn't make a whole lot of sense because the friend was um was so initially she was acquitted she was charged with the disappearance or being involved in the disappearance or Mm -hmm. you know lying about it or whatever and initially she was acquitted but in italy like in germany the prosecution can appeal if they don't like the outcome and they did and then they convicted her um for whatever role in the disappearance of elisa and they sentenced her to 14 months in prison so on the one hand they convicted restivo for saying that she had left and on the other hand they convicted the friend for saying that she hadn't left like that is where I don't understand. <sighs> and then there's this poor Albanian man. And the only thing that I could find about him was he was Albanian. And so I'm assuming they just found an Albanian and arrested and tried him. Oh, um, my God. He was acquitted. <laughs> so, Good. <laughs> right. So the weirdest trial of 1996, maybe the weirdest trial of ever. Oh, my God. Um, so Restivo was sentenced to 20 months, but the other thing about Italy and their court system or uh, criminal justice system is short sentences are automatically suspended with no kind of like parole or anything. So he was just let go with no restrictions on travel or anything else. Okay. Same with the friend. Just Wait, let go. So define short sentences. I guess under two years. 20 months seems like an awfully long prison sentence to me. So as long as you just keep to petty crime with low sentences. Yeah. I don't know unless it adds up. Weird. Yeah. I don't know. It was very strange. But everyone was just let go. Um, Alrighty. Yeah. There was a problem with Restivo's testimony. And this might have played a part in the hearing. It certainly plays a part in what happens much later. But in an interview with the police on another time, he had admitted that sometimes he would take girls to a room off of the first floor of the church um, when they were on dates, which, considering he tricked them into the dates, I'm guessing bad things happened in this room, but whatever. Um, And that room will come back into play later. But... So he kind of contradicted himself because on the one hand, he's like, yeah, every time I have a date, we go into this other room. But on the other hand, he was like, well, she came and we talked and then I stayed to pray and she left. So I didn't know my disgusted face could go this deep into my head. Oh, it's it just gets weirder. That is so. so... Yeah. Have you ever seen me speechless before? (laughs) very very rarely that is so deeply fucked up fast forward to may of 2002 oh god when restivo decided it was time to move out from mom and dad's house so he moved wait 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 well okay i don't have any evidence that he was still living there that is just my own conjecture 
Okay, because in 2002, I was 27, which means he was 30. I mean, but really. (sighs) He probably still lived there. (laughs) So he moved out of his parents' house, so says Aaron, into (laughs) the house of an English woman. And across the street from where he was living with his girlfriend, there was another woman named Heather Barnett. And Heather Barnett was a seamstress. She worked out of her house, and she had two children, 11 and 14. In November of 2002, so several months later, on the 6th, Restivo went across the street to Heather's house. Um, He said his reason for going there was to discuss having her sew some curtains for their home. And a week later... On the 12th, both of Heather's children came bursting into the house where Restivo and his girlfriend had just gotten home because they had found the body of their mother. She had been beaten to death with a hammer. Her breasts had been cut off and left above her head. And in each hand, there was a cutting of hair. Only the hair in her right hand wasn't her hair. Ugh. She had been so, dead. Hold on a fucking minute. Okay. <laughs> That's like a Dali painting. Mm-hmm. But why it must would, have been the worst image ever. But why would you leave so much evidence behind? Well, that's the thing. Like, the, they, like they didn't. That was it. So... There, there wasn't any other good evidence they could act on. Like the, the hair, it wasn't like it had been ripped out of the killer's head. It was like the killer had put a chunk of someone else's hair in her hand. And he, like he'd made it a gruesome image, like a scene for people to find, for the children to find. Ugh. But it wasn't, there wasn't any evidence of him there. It was just all of his weirdness. So, That's horrifying. Right? So she, but, but if we assume that it's Restivo, because the story is about him, mm-hmm. he did start off this story by tricking women into going on dates with him, and when they refused, playing serial killer music at them. You make an excellent point. <laughs> so... so Poor Heather had been dead since that morning, and the police suspected that it had happened just after she returned home from dropping her children at school. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, they looked at Restivo first, uh, in this case, for the simple fact that he was like one of the first people to go into the house after her body was discovered. Because when the children had come over to tell him their mom was dead and they needed help, uh, they waited with the girlfriend at his house, and he went over to Heather's house and then came back to wait with the children. So he like went to take a look, um, which is a little bit weird. But at the same time, I don't know. I'm like, if kids came running to me screaming about blah, 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 I might want to go verify so that I would know what to tell the police. But I don't think I'd go inside, but maybe look in a window. I don't know. It only seemed sort of strange. Yeah. I mean, when you look at it from that point, I suppose, you know, they're young kids and right. kids make shit up. Well, and they're probably hysterical and probably don't have a lot of good details. And if I'm about to call the police, they'll take me more seriously if I say, and I saw blood all over the place. Right. So, I mean, we can give him that. Although I'm going to go with that was actually returning to the scene of the crime and not out of concern for 
the kids. Right. But it works out either way, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and now he has been in the house on the record. Yes. It's actually pretty clever. It is. It is really. Yeah. Because, yeah, that would be easily liable. Why did you go over to the house? Well, I've got a couple of kids that are all hysterical Right. I needed to find out what was going on before I called the cops. That's why my hair is there. My fingerprints are on the door. Right. Yeah. No, it's kind of clever. That's super clever. So they questioned him for three days and eventually had to let him go. Wow. Heather's son claimed that her house key had gone missing sometime after Restivo's visit on the 6th. And the police found that Restivo's shoes had been soaked in bleach at some point, but neither piece of evidence was strong enough to hold, given that he appeared to have an airtight alibi. So he said he was on his way to a computer class uh, between like 8.30 and 9 that morning, and he had a stamped bus ticket that read 8.44 a.m., which is when the police thought was around the time of the murder taking place. There wasn't any way he could have been in both places at once. Mm -hmm. Also, the police officer who interviewed Restivo or the ones that interviewed Restivo over these four days or three days um, described him as bumbling, which didn't fit with the very careful and staged and relatively clean murder that had taken place they said like there were footprints away from the murder scene in blood and then they just suddenly stopped and the police believed that the person had taken off their shoes Mm -hmm. and switched to other shoes to go the rest of the way out of the house so as not to leave tracks and like everything was very like wiped down and careful and not a ton of evidence was left Mm -hmm. and that just didn't seem like the receiver they'd interviewed right But they still didn't trust him because he was very strange and there was a lot of circumstantial evidence. And, oh, they had heard the stories from Italy where he had been suspected in all of these hair cuttings, tying up and cutting some small children and possibly murdering a woman. Mm -hmm. So they considered him the prime suspect and they watched him pretty closely. Starting in March of 2004, which was over a year later. They yeah. Yeah, they finally got approval to increase tracking him and they had electronic tracking and listening devices on him throughout much of the day. And they overheard like all of the people talking to Restivo spoke to him as if he were a child, which I thought was really interesting because that very much contradicts the image they had of him in Italy. Mm-hmm. It's almost like either something happened between Italy when they thought that he was very cunning and careful and smart. And then England where all of a sudden everyone's treating him like a child and he seems like he's bumbling or he realized that persona didn't work and has like put on another one. Or is it basic? I don't racism is the wrong word. He didn't speak their language fluently and they acted like he was a moron. That is entirely possible, too. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, But then they started observing him doing something that was unsettling. He'd started going to, they called it a beauty spot. It was like a salon. Mm -hmm. And then looking for women who were on their own and following them around. 
and he never approached them and he never did anything wrong, like follow them all the way to their house or whatever, but it was definitely creepy. Mm-hmm. And then on May 12th, 2004, the police saw him and they became alarmed because he was walking around in waterproof waders, even though it was a warm day and he didn't look like he was going fishing. And so they made up an excuse and stopped and searched him. So what they found was, in his car, another pair of waders, an identical change of clothing to the clothing that he was currently wearing, a balaclava, a filleting knife, scissors, and gloves. But Hmm. none of those things are illegal, so they just continued to surveil him. And in... Yeah? I suppose none of them are illegal, and none of them are specifically for murdering people. They really aren't. And, I mean, really, he wasn't at the time going fishing, but with the exception of, like, the balaclava, like, everything else is what you need for fishing. Well, total lack of any fishing equipment. But I guess if you're going to stand in a pond and catch them with your hands, you have everything else you might need. Sure. (laughs) Sounds like a both effective and enjoyable way of going about that. Right. So in June of 2004, a young girl who had been on a bus identified Restivo as the man who had cut their hair or her hair while they were both on the bus together. Right. So now we're back into that. Um, I don't know if any charges were filed or if that was just kind of like added to the list. But then in November of 2006, Restivo was arrested again. And this time his home was searched and police found that there were traces of blood on the sneakers that he had bleached just after Heather's murder. I just would like to go on record as saying it has been four years. Why the fuck do you still have the shoes you murdered the woman in? Right. They must have been really comfortable. They must have been. Luckily for him, the DNA technology at the time wasn't advanced enough for them to match the traces of blood. There wasn't enough there. Mm -hmm. They also found a lock of hair. But since it was cut, they didn't really know whose it was. By 2008, another two years later, DNA science had progressed enough and they retested a bloody towel that they had found at Heather's house. Mm -hmm. And they were able to match it to Restivo's DNA. And so they questioned him about it, and he said, well, he had left it, he must have left it there on the visit that he was, uh, that he made on November the 6th, when he went to ask about curtains, but, you know, it's been six years, I don't really know. And since no one could prove otherwise, there just wasn't enough evidence to do anything about it. Why would he bring a towel with him? Uh, no clue. Why not just say, I went to the bathroom, I must have cut myself, blood came off when I washed my hands. Well, um, and maybe, maybe so. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that he needed to give much, much of an answer at all. It was like he had been in the house twice for totally innocent purposes. It has been six years. Like, it's totally legit not to remember it if it were, if it wasn't a big deal, right? And even if it was, how could you prove that it was from the twelfth and not the sixth? Like, right. it's been six years. So then there was another little bump in the case. The priest from that Italian church a million years ago, he Mm. died. And through some turn of events, they discovered that even though he had denied knowing Restivo back at the time of Elisa's disappearance, back when they wanted to search the church, uh, it turned out he actually did. Because police uncovered a photograph of him 
hanging out at Restivo's 18th birthday party. Yeah, I don't know. It's... <laughs> I love the look that you're giving me, but apparently they were buddies, okay? And who doesn't want a priest at your 18th birthday party? Right? <laughs> I, well, this particular priest, probably a pretty good friend. Um, oh, yeah, because it wasn't the most startling thing that they found. After the priest died, they found in a an alcove by a bell tower a body shoved in, totally decayed, hair that had been cut off, placed in both of her hands, and they were able to match it to Eliza Claps. How did they not smell her? Well, I think it sounds like Whatever this church was, it was relatively large, and most of it was locked off from the public, and there was only one person who had a key. And so all he probably had to do was keep that area locked off. (sighs) Right? And especially if it's like a Catholic church, and they're always burning strong incense and other things, and candles, and I, I think you would just... Uh, yeah. So two months later, the English arrested Restivo for the murder of Heather. And the English officials claimed this had nothing to do with the discovery of Elias's body or the fact that the evidence all strongly pointed to Restivo in that case, mm-hmm. that they just were finally ready to arrest him for Heather's murder. So the court ruled that the evidence of Elisa's mur- murder back in Italy, that Restivo likely did it, that it was similar to Heather's case, all of that could be heard in Heather's murder trial. Good. Yep. Italian investigators came and they told the court about the DNA evidence they'd found on Elisa's body in Italy. That matched Restivo. All right. Caitlin Barnett, who was Heather's daughter, who was 11 when she found her mom, came and read a victim impact statement about the afternoon when she found her mother. Mm. And the jury cried. And then in May of 2011, Restiva was convicted of Heather's murder and sentenced to life in prison. Restivo's lawyers were really upset with the sentence. And they said, obviously... When they were sentencing Restivo, they took into account Eliza's murder, and that that weighed in on the why he would get life in prison. They said that that wasn't fair because he had never been convicted of Eliza's murder, so he shouldn't be able to be sentenced based on that in any part. Um, And even if he had been convicted, he hadn't even been tried, and he certainly hadn't been convicted in England, and so it shouldn't have a bearing on the sentence. And the court agreed and said, yeah, you're probably right. And so they commuted the sentence to 40 years in prison and released a statement saying it was highly improbable he would ever get out. Huh. The end. Wow. (laughs) That is one of the craziest I think we've talked about. I know. (laughs) So I feel like I must have missed some. I read that part about the 1996 trial and I feel like there's a chunk missing or something I don't understand about the legal system, obviously, or whatever. The rest of it was just like a, a really bad mystery novel right like a really horrible detective novel right yeah shitty cops all the way around 
you know, and he was hitting like the sweet spot of technology where it just, it wasn't quite good enough. Right. It was good enough to suspect and he kept being brought in and they always knew it was him, but they could never get him. Right. Yeah. And then he must have actually been really smart. Yes. Like he was clever enough to never trip up even after being questioned, arrested, tried, questioned, arrested. Like he never gave anything up. Yeah. He didn't really leave any evidence except apparently DNA evidence that, I mean, at the time they couldn't match anyway. Right. I, yeah. Wow. Right? That's crazy. Yeah. So, there you go. That is my murder's hair. (laughs) Um, Crazy rooms in buildings where you can hide bodies. I I don't... Boobs left outside detached from a body. (laughs) Asunder. (laughs) Boobs all asunder. So, I don't know if you learned anything from that, but I... (laughs) I have some things to think about. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really interested in what advice you're going to give us this week. Oh, well, curtains aren't that hard, you guys. Sew them yourself. Yeah, but then I wouldn't have the excuse to go into the woman's house that I wanted to murder and steal her house key. Well, that's true, but like, make them yourself. They're stupid expensive. It's true. It's true. I just don't have any curtains up. I don't really either. My woodwork's so pretty. I don't want to hide it. Yeah. Yeah. I, we do actually have pretty wood around our windows, but also, like, it's a rental, and I really hate hanging the, like, oh, hardware. Yeah. If I could just have the curtains, that'd be no problem. I feel like there should be a spell for that. I mean, yes, probably, but I am not allowed to use magic outside of Hogwarts. It might give it away. Oh, uh. Again, you make an excellent point. I know, I'm pretty smart. (laughs) (laughs) Call your people. Call your people. You know, call them even if they've only been missing a couple hours. Yeah. You know, that whole find my friends, like a tiny bit creepy, but also sometimes handy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And don't end up on the episode that will be coming out in two weeks. Unless it is because you are hanging out with us at the podcast festival. Yay! 